Welcome to episode 42 of Larry Dowdy Mikeside. We continue with Where Are They Now? He was a primary anchor and senior political reporter at WSLS 10. He taught broadcast writing at Virginia Tech while here and taught at Holland University for eight years. Today, he calls Texas his home and you're working for the city of Arlington as director of communication and legislative affairs. Jay Warren, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Larry. I appreciate it. It's great to hear your voice. Well, uh, back after so many at you. years of nice hearing you on the radio, it's great to hear you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and I'm glad you could be part of the podcast. We've got a lot of catching up to do here. We were so fortunate to have you at WSLS 10 for 15 years. Did you always want to get into TV news? I, you know, I fell into the major at Texas Christian University, which is just next door in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, where I did my undergrad. And if I didn't do it, I was learning how to speak and how to write like normal people, <laughs> um, which would be a skill set that would be useful, you know, in, in any profession you end up in. Um, and then um, it just kind of all worked out. And I had a great time in Lubbock and in Mississippi, and then finally in, in Runnock for those last 15 years doing it. It's, it was just a good ride. You have a master's degree from uh, Texas Tech University. You mm -hmm. interned at the White House and yeah. also with the, the late Larry King on Larry King Live. Uh, uh -huh. Tell us about those experiences, starting with, uh, I guess, working at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> so I was, uh, I like to say I was pre-Monica Lewinsky, pre-9-11. <laughs> so the access we had was just dramatically different than what an intern would experience now. So I was, I helped in the media relations and helped with um, the, the president's weekly radio address, which at the time was a true radio address that wasn't taped. It was recorded right in the Oval Office and, and sat in the Oval Office with them. In fact, my mom and my aunt came up and visited um, me while I was there, and they got to sit in the Oval Office and listen to Bill Clinton give his weekly radio address, um, which is pretty cool. And again, that access um, is probably much more restricted now, I would assume, than it was you know, almost 30 years ago. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. And, and uh, incidentally, I was in Washington, D.C. for the U.S. Conference of Mayors about three weeks ago, and this guy walked up and he started talking to the executive director of the organization. And I looked around, I was like, Richard Strauss, he was my boss at the White House. And there he was in Washington, D.C. 30 years later. Um, and we connect, reconnected, which is great. So what was it like working with Larry King and Larry King Live? That was an interesting experience. So it was, uh, I interned for him at the Democratic National uh, Convention in Madison Square Gardens in New York City back in, and um, I was, it was not substantive at all. My job was literally just to kind of help, right? Uh, and it was, a, you know, for two weeks, so getting coffee or whatever else. Uh, funny story, I had never consumed coffee in my life, and I'm still not a coffee drinker. Uh, and he asked me to get a cup of coffee, which scared me anyway, because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then he's like, and I need, you know, this much sugar and this much milk, but it wasn't very specific. <laughs> so first cup I made him, he did not like it at all. Uh, second cup, he's like, this is terrible. Make me a third cup. And I'm thinking, oh God, because I got back to the coffee pot and it was empty at this point. And I certainly didn't know how to make coffee. <laughs> um, so anyway, luckily his executive producer, uh, Tammy Haddad stepped in and, and helped save the day. Um, so it was, it was that type of internship, but it was really cool in that, you know, he was the place to stop. Mm -hmm in politics at the time, now it's very different, but in 1992, he was the stop, right? And so uh, I've got pictures with Al Gore in suspenders like Larry King would wear with big sweat stains underneath his arms because he'd just gotten off a grilling with Larry King. 
um, and Jimmy Carter and Jesse Jackson and Bill Bradley, um, lots of old, old, old politician names. So, but still, uh, that's one of those experiences you couldn't pay for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and great memories still to this day. So Now, you said in a story on uh, RoanokeStar.com, this has been several years ago, that you loved Roanoke and the people of Southwest Virginia. What made yeah. it easy for you to connect? Uh, probably the, the people who live there made it easy. I mean, area of the country. Um, I, I, you know, and not every area of the country is that way. Even where I was in Mississippi wasn't as, as welcoming. Southwest Virginians just are, are really good people. Mm. And, um, and I, I felt it from the minute I stepped foot in Roanoke. Um, and it, it always felt like home to me um, for those 15 years. Uh, I, I just loved every second of it. it it's, just, it's a wonderful community and area of the country. You and I have a mutual friend. Uh, I connected with this gentleman on radio. You worked with him on TV. You and Dr. Bob Denton covered a number yes. of political forums, debates while at WSLS. Uh, not everyone likes politics. Uh, was it hard to make it easy for folks to understand or to get interested in? So, um, first of all, let me say that Dr. Bob is one of the best people I have ever met. I uh, just love the guy. We had a great partnership for politics. Uh, and in part, I think it worked and was fun because of his infectious almost uh, nature when it comes to talking about politics I, and I, I also can talk about this stuff all day long, every day, um, and it's just, it's just a passion, and I think it is for Dr. Bob as well. Um, when I first started at WSLS, they didn't do political coverage at all, and I had to kind of beg the news director. It's like, let me go do a story, and, and so I did. He's like, okay, that was okay, and so I just kind of kept at it until I could prove that we could tell political stories in a way that people can relate to and care about. Mm -hmm. So not the the inside baseball, who's polling better, this, that, and the other. I mean, that's newsworthy in a extent. But I think people are much more interested in knowing what's happening in Richmond that's going to impact my wallet. Um, how are they, what what law, kids' schools, or, or whatever it might be. And if you approach it from the perspective of how it's going to impact the resident or the community, I think you, you can succeed in political coverage in a way that it isn't alienating, hopefully, and it doesn't become polarizing or divisive, but is is just more about bread and butter type issues. Jay Warren, do you miss the political reporting today? I mean, is there so much focus on national politics, uh, state and local uh, can be more interesting, but it just gets lost in the uh, the Washington shuffle? Um, it left at the exact right moment. Um, and, and that was not by some master plan that I had. It was just lucky timing because um, political, and I loved covering politics at WSLS. I loved doing the debates. I loved working with Dr. Bob. Um, that's all, it is fun stuff for me, but I don't, um, it is um, too divisive. It's, we're just too, oh, you're one of those liberal NBC guys, right? Um, and and then I would. Uh, the flip side is we'd have people call in and say, you know, you didn't say President Obama every time you referred to him. Um, and I'm like, well, on second reference, you don't. We didn't do that with Clinton or Bush either. But they thought that was offensive, right? So I, you were beginning to get it from both sides, mm -hmm. um, which one tells me hopefully we were giving balanced coverage. 
Um, but that's, I think, only accelerated to a point now that I can imagine that political reporting is almost dangerous in some cases, depending upon where you are and what the speakers are saying. And that's scary. So, I, no, I don't miss it for that reason. Well, and two, uh, I would think that that balance that you mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, it's totally missing today. It is. And it's hard to you know, sometimes it's artificial balance too, right? Mm -hmm. um, we would we would find that we would need to do a story that's checking one political party and then be sure to go out and find another story the next day that is fact-checking the other party, which in its surface sounds like you're giving balanced coverage, but maybe not depending upon the circumstances, right? Um, and, and sometimes that can create an unequal balance um, that's a problem as well. Um, I love politics and I love covering it. But um, it's just tough now. Yeah. Uh, think back to your 15 years in Roanoke. Was there a story or two that you're most proud of? Yeah, we did a series called The Road to 2002, <laughs> 20 years ago now, right? <laughs> um, that I I did love. And it was, it was exactly the type of stuff I was talking about. Like, how do we take politics and make it interesting? Um, and, and we looked at it from like, People in, in Richmond could impact the, the farming industry and the tobacco industry down in Southside, Virginia. Um, that series ended up getting a Walter Cronkite Award for Individual Achievement. And I look back at that one with a lot of, of um, fond memories. It was a lot of fun to work on and really get to dive in to do some longer form storytelling, not day of type turns that we would say in the news industry. But, but also, you know, I was there the whole week of 9-11 and outside the Pentagon, that was an impactful week. Um, being in the campus of Virginia Tech, you know, the, the, after the shooting massacre and for that week following, certainly very impactful. The, the Queen of England visiting, covering hurricanes, uh, Hurricane Isabel in particular, uh, all that, very fond memories. Uh, I recently interviewed Keith Humphrey, now retired from WDBJ7 in episode 39 of the podcast, and he talked about his love for reporting. Uh, did you enjoy stirring the political stick over anchoring a newscast? <laughs> um I love them both, to be honest with you. But I did. I think the one thing that if I could go back and just do this permanently as a career, it would be producing and moderating political debates. Um, I I loved doing that. It was it was that's true a gen, uh, true adrenaline rush for a rush for me. <laughs> that's a hard thing to say. Um, <laughs> but I, I so the, yeah. If there was anything that I could go back and just redo that and only do that, it would be that. I loved anchoring the news and the team that we worked with as well. It got a little boring talking the news. 17 times a day. I mean, two times a day, sure. um, yeah, particularly on good weather days where there's not that much to talk about anyway. But uh, it, it, all of it was just fun. I don't have any negative memories at all. It was just a lot of fun. Well, today uh, you're delivering the news in a different sort of way. You're That's director right. of communication and legislative affairs for Arlington, Texas. Uh, and uh, I think you even do a feature on My Arlington TV. How has that changed? And it sounds like it's uh, it's a different kind of role for you now. It's a little bit, although what, what we really did when I got here was create our own kind of newsroom, if you will. Um, and so uh, with the team that I have here and the staff that we have here, we built the first thing we did was build a TV studio. Um, where we can go on and give news, we can do interview shows, we can do PSAs, we have a green screen, 
um, just like a mini TV station, to be honest with you. Um, and it broadcasts our cable channel and also on our YouTube channel. Um, so we're, we're producing about 360 videos a year. We had about 5 million views last year alone. Um, our, our website um, is, um, I think, top-notch, and we, we, we're putting out three to five original stories a day on our website. And the reason we're doing all that is because, you know, it's a big metro area here in DFW. We're like number, I think, five in the country. Mm-hmm. Dallas, a lot of the TV stations are Dallas-focused, um, so they cover a lot of Dallas, some, some Fort Worth-focused. And we're kind of sandwiched in the middle. We're the 50th biggest city in the country, but those other two are so big that they can overshadow even the 50th biggest city, right? And so we got to, we had to figure out a way to get the news to our residents because um, it wasn't coming from either of the other any of the stations on either side. And they would come if it was bad, or they would come if it was something happening, you know, in the entertainment district because we're home to the Dallas Cowboys and the right. Texas Rangers. So all that's you know what, five blocks from me, my outside my window, um, which is cool. And they would come for that type of stuff, but you know a library opening, a groundbreaking for um, a rec center, you know, good news stories that are happening, nowhere to be found. And so that's where it was, became a necessity really for us to turn this into a news operation that provides local, hyper-local Arlington news to our residents day in, day out. So for you, was the timing there as the COVID years hit? Because you guys were spot on to begin with? It certainly helped that we'd already laid all those foundations, 100%. And we were really had a, the network, if you will, um, whether it's our email communication, our, our the different apps and things that we'd already developed, certainly the website and all the video programming, all of that combined certainly created an environment where we could definitely communicate quickly to our residents, whether it was mask mandates or vaccine updates or how to protect yourself over the winter holidays before the vaccine. One of the things we did learn in that process, though, was that we needed to do a better job of communicating with our Spanish-speaking residents in particular. And so we really broadened that over the course of the last two years, um, which will certainly help us as we weather the end here of the pandemic, and it helped us over the last couple of years. But then we'll carry us forward as we tell all the good stories and the other things happening in our community, making sure we're reaching all the different pockets. Arlington is in the top 10 of the most diverse cities in the country. Um, And the University of Texas at Arlington, which is the second biggest school in the UT system is uh, five blocks the other direction from my office. I think they're the third most diverse campus in the country, particularly with international students coming through DFW airport, just an easy airport for them to be able to get to the campus. We have to do a good job of communicating to all parts of our community and, and in various languages to be successful. Well, it sounds like in so many ways you've shifted gears with news, still delivering news, but a, 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 a different format with possibly more information than you would have done in a, a two and a half, three minute piece on TV. It, it is. In a lot of respects, we're able to do it in a lot of different way. So, and I, I like to call it communication. Now you have to do it the shotgun approach. So you can't just be on TV. You can't just be on the website. You can't just be on Facebook. You have to be everywhere um, to reach the widest because there's so many opportunities for people to get information. Um, and so we've got to be at all those places. Um, and that's what, what our team does 
uh, truly day in, day out um, with different hats on, trying to get it all out as, as quickly as possible, too. We're, we're under some of the same deadline, you know, get it out as fast as you can, uh, and particularly during COVID, because sure. some of that could be life-saving information. Um, so it, it, it has been a great transition to, to hear. You know, I moved back to Texas because my mom uh, had Alzheimer's, um, and, uh, and I've been able to not only get to grow a different aspect of my career and grow professionally in a different way, but also um, be able to kind of be with her as she's needed uh, assistance here over the last few years. And that's been a, that's been a blessing for me as well. Well, hard, hard to do, I know, but uh, good for you. And I'm glad the career uh, led you to be able to be home with her for uh, memorable years, for sure. Uh, let's talk about, speaking of memorable years, you and your obsession of Legos. <laughs> And, yeah. you, and you put that obsession of Legos to benefit there in Arlington. Yeah. So, you know, I was a kid, as a kid, I loved them. And then I didn't build for the longest time. And so when I got kind of settled here in Arlington, I had the space to start building out. I built, um, I built, started building a Lego city. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's not a very little Lego city anymore. It, it fills a pretty big room. Uh, and yeah, we were able to turn that into the city's annual budget video. We do one every year. And, and the struggle is, one, how do you make it interesting? Sure. So going back to kind of government communication and covering politics, how do you make these topics relevant to people? And, and two, we have to come up with a different theme every year. We just can't tell the same story the same way, right? And so this past year, we were able to put it into a Lego format and tell the whole thing in Lego stop motion is what they call it kind of format. Mm -hmm. um, it was a, a blast for me. Uh, and the team, they took the idea that we had and advanced it, I don't know, a thousand miles further than I ever thought it would get. Uh, so I was just blown away by the final product. Um, and it, and we, that was one, Larry, where we ended up with more than a million views of that video alone of a budget video for city government, if you can imagine. Now, you mentioned uh, the Cowboys not that far away. Yeah. Has there been any buzz about the new name of the Washington Commanders? You know, I hate to say this to a Virginia audience, um, <laughs> but no, not at all. No one cares. Um, <laughs> as you might imagine, the Cowboys uh, think about one thing, and that's the Cowboys. Uh, and everything else is in Texas, right? And everything else is kind of background noise. So no, I haven't heard much of anything uh, since, uh, since that got announced at all. So. Well, you know, when those two teams play anyway, it's like the Super Bowl, even though, even though yes. they're not there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jay, if you could do a career do-over, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. The only thing, I, you know, I, after I left grad school, I, I, I took a job as a director of um, the Campaign 96 program, actually for the internship program that I went through to intern at Larry King and then at the White House. It's an, an organization called the Washington Center for Internships and Academic Seminars. And I, um, I really enjoyed working there and then but wanted to get back into TV news. So I left there and went to Greenville, Mississippi. And uh, that was my stop before Roanoke. And um, if, I guess if I had anything to do ever again, I might have stayed in Washington, D.C., not necessarily at the, at the, at the nonprofit. Um, I enjoy my work there, but maybe it gone branched over more into working on the Hill or in some of those areas. But I got to be honest with you, that's, that's a mild kind of hmm, wonder what if yeah. um, in the back of my head. I have generally been just really lucky um, with my career path. And I honestly, 
Um, I'm not sure that there was any grand scheme or plan to it. I probably stayed in some of the markets like Roanoke, you know, people don't usually stay for 15 years. Right. Um, and, and especially if you're not from there originally. Sure. And uh, so some would probably look at it and say, well, why didn't you go on to this market or that market? And I just did what felt right and what I was enjoying and, and let the rest of it kind of figure itself out. And I think it's worked. So. Jay, in closing, uh, is there something out there you'd be interested in pursuing? Uh, I would love to be a designer of Legos. <laughs> and I have thought that that's a calling I missed. Like that would have been that would have been a blast. Um, honestly, no. I, I um, the, the great thing about what I've been able to do. In fact, my birthday is uh, I'm a Libra. And I, there's a book where you can open it up and it can, it, it tells you everything that you should be as a, as a profession, as an example, your personality traits. And it said I should be involved in politics, in TV news, or in teaching. I'm like, wow, well, those are the three things that have been the passion of my life. Sure. And so, you know, I could see teaching after I retire and doing that for a few years, because I, I still teach at TCU now and um, in addition to, the, to my time at Virginia Tech and at UTA and at Hollins. And I, I really enjoy the connection with the campus and with the students. So, Well, it sounds like you're loving what you're doing today in Texas. And thank you for letting us catch up and spend a little time yeah. with you here on the podcast. Yeah. I really, it was so great to get your email. It's great to hear your voice and see you. And I really appreciate the time and it's good to reconnect. Thanks for being here for episode 42 of Larry Dowdy Mike Side with Jay Warren. If you like Mike Side, follow us wherever you download your podcast. And be sure to share this podcast with someone by simply clicking the share button. There's a new episode every other week. I hope you'll join me for the next Larry Dowdy Mike Side. See you then.